happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. And happy belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, there's a super producer, Max. I'm Ben, Noel, you know. Ben, you're my brother from another mother. Both of you. The, the both of yous. You're going to lump you into that fun, alliterative, rhyming phrase. We're also in... Typical ridiculous history fashion. Uh, doing doing a show about a holiday several days after it occurred. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I take it back. Uh, a brother from another mother isn't really alliterative at all. It's just more of a rhyming thing. It's I don't got know a why. nice internal uh, rhyme. It's got a nice internal rhyme. It, it rolls off the tongue and has a good mouthfeel. But alliterative, it is not. Ben, we're here again talking about a holiday uh, that was started with all great intention, like many holidays, you know, whether it be to honor a deity of some sort, perhaps a member of the human species, such as a mother or a father. And then, you know, typically like the way of most holidays, uh, we see the co-opting by interests, special interest groups, <laughs> a.k.a. corporations and people that want to make money off of stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very well-intentioned event that um the best way to say it is the creator of Mother's Day has a very complex relationship with Mother's Day. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's let's introduce Mother Jarvis. That's the street name for Anne Reeves Jarvis. She is a homemaker in Appalachia. She teaches Sunday school. And Anne is born in 1832. She lives a long, full life. She is an activist. She is a radical in her way. Uh, like Ninja Turtles radical or like uh, extreme? Well, I guess that could be applied to the same She's thing. bodacious. She, she's bodacious. Yeah. She's, she, she hangs 10, but she's also, she's got yeah. Some- 
cowabunga to her. She's an activist. You're right. This is something in a post-Civil War era that uh, she has decided that she wants to place some emphasis on honoring the work of mothers, you know, who, while the while the, the men were away, you know, it's the same thing with like Rosie the Riveter and all that stuff. Like the idea of holding down the fort while the young men are away fighting and potentially dying during the war. So let's give mothers their due. Yeah. And let's also educate them. Let's help them. Let's help mothers, especially impoverished mothers in Appalachia. Let's help them be set up for success. Exactly. She was very concerned about the perilously high infant mortality rate. There were very, very serious problems that predated the Civil War, but they were exacerbated by that bloody conflict. She also organized women's brigades. Uh, She encouraged women to help each other out, regardless uh, whether they were fighting for the Union or the Confederacy. And then she she proposed something called a Mother's Friendship Day to promote peace between former Union and Confederate families. Now, that's a tall milkshake. There's a lot of blood on the hands there. Uh, no question. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. And, and, and just to not really walk back what I said, but I mean, she did want to highlight, you know, how important the work of of mothers and women uh, were during this time. But to your point, Ben, it really was much more of a functional organizing kind of effort, wasn't it? Like to, to provide resources to help, you know, uh, curtail some of these uh, shocking um, statistics. Yeah. And we do want to note this is very important. It's kind of like a Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel <laughs> or a story of royals. The person we're talking about, Mother Jarvis, full name Anne Maria Reeves Jarvis, she is different. She's a different person entirely from her daughter, Anna Marie Jarvis, who will come right. up later. So Anne is the mom. And Anna is the daughter. Uh, We've got to introduce a a third person here, Noel, a second woman that was very influential in the founding of Mother's Day, Julia Ward Howe. Mm -hmm. A poet, and she knew it. Uh, Also a reformer during the Civil War. She was an active volunteer in the uh, very important and new U.S. Sanitary Commission. Uh, This was in order to provide sterilization, um, hygienic environments in hospitals to make sure that folks who were sick and wounded uh, from injuries and, and war conditions were taken care of properly and that going into a hospital wasn't in and of itself a a death sentence. If you go into a hospital with a severe wound or illness and it's not been cleaned or it's it's not been, you know, sterilized, you could emerge from that hospital worse than you came in or not emerge at all. Yeah, yeah, it can get infected. You can enter sepsis. All kinds of nasty things can happen. Uh, In 1861... Julia Ward Howe also writes the famous Civil War anthem, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and was talking uh, briefly, who was it? I think it was our pal Robert Evans on on Twitter, old friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> he just, the guy's wild. He was on, he was on Twitter, and I think it, he must have just overheard the song because he, all he posted without much of an explanation was the Battle Hymn of the Republic has no right to slap this hard. Yeah, it's it, a banger. It's kind of a yeah. banger. And no, she, 
She wrote it. It gets published February of 1862. And then she does another predecessor of Mother's Day in 1870. Julia Ward Howe says, we need a Mother's Day for peace. It's just celebrating the idea of peace, celebrating the idea that there could be a future without war. Totally. And let's just, you know, of course, mothers are the source of all life. (laughs) You know, of human life. This is uh, an obvious uh, no-brainer statement, but one that I think often gets overlooked. So it makes sense to kind of feature the idea of the mother, you know, as a central kind of force of creation as opposed to death and destruction, you know, sort of a counter to some of the, uh, the, hor- the horrifying conditions of war. So she kind of put out, I guess, sort of a, not really a manifesto, more of a, a declaration, a proclamation, literally called the Mother's Day Proclamation in 1870. Uh, she felt that mothers had the power to prevent war, you know, just through through their actions and through the way they raise their children and sort of the the ideals that they instill into their into their offspring. Yeah, like when Jay-Z's mom told him to not talk trash about Nas so much. Moms can stop stuff. Moms exercise a great power over the world. And it's it's a noble thing for Julia Ward Howe to recognize, right? And to leverage. And her version of Mother's Day was actually stuck around in a bunch of cities, in Boston in particular, for three decades. But in the years leading up to World War One, it kind of petered out. And there it stayed until 1907, from uh, right before World War One till around 1907. Uh, there wasn't really a Mother's Day. People just... Hopefully, people were just nice to their moms every day. <laughs> One would hope, yeah. yeah. Uh, and enter uh, our tertiary hero here, I guess, um, uh, the aforementioned Anna M. Jarvis uh, of Philadelphia, the daughter of uh, Mother Jarvis, the OG Mother's Day uh, banner bearer, I guess you could call it, standard bearer, right? Anna M. Jarvis. Uh, after her mother had passed in 1906, Jarvis, uh, the, the, the younger, she decided to memorialize her mother's life and works by campaigning for a national recognition of uh, a, a, a Mother's Day of a sort. She said that she hoped and prayed that someone sometime will found a memorial Mother's Day commemorating her for the matchless service she renders to humanity in every field of life. Because, uh, and Jarvis said, uh, she is entitled to it. Yeah, and we're getting we're getting a lot of this from the Forgotten History of Mother's Day by Heidi Stonehill. Uh, and there, there are a couple other sources we don't want to shout out quite yet because they might spoil the turn. There is a turn here, folks. Oh, there's always a turn. We sort of foreshadowed the turn a little bit. We in this did, one we that, did. So we'll, you know, you could, we'll you could kind of yeah, figure out on your own uh, because this is why we can't have nice things. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Anna's ideas were less about public service and more about just saying, hey, Moms are the hardest working of all people. Let's at least acknowledge that. And she went on a one-woman campaign. She was a one-woman army writing to everybody, sending telegrams, showing up uh, at the offices of public figures and saying, Mm -hmm. do you have time to sit down for a second? Uh, You know, how's your mom, et cetera. And she spoke widely to groups large and small. She paid for all of this. She didn't have a huge support network at first. She made zines, basically. The right. 18, the early 1900s equivalent of zines, booklets about... She was a pamphleteer. Right, a pamphleteer, booklets about Mother's Day. She herself had no children of her own. I think that's interesting. I mean, yeah. you know, nothing doesn't really matter. I think she perhaps decided that she was going to focus her energies into this kind of crusade. You know, I mean, we don't have any information as to whether there were any uh, outs, you know, any uh, extenuating circumstances that led to her not having children. But um, it, it sure seemed like whether that was the case or not, she put that effort that would have gone into raising children into this effort. I to think that's memorialize her mother and to, to memorialize and honor mothers everywhere. I think that's one way to look at it. I mean, even now in 2023, there's a there's a lot of very real lazy prejudice against people who, for one reason or do not one reason or another, do not have children, and it's it's pretty gross. It was even worse back then, you know, when you're a woman. Um, and it just, I mean, I just want to acknowledge that because I'm sure very many ridiculous historians listening today have experienced that prejudice. It's an ugly thing, and so she probably was judged in her in her time uh, yeah terms like children. old maid and stuff you know what i mean like it, it was it was inherently there was a bias against women that didn't have children because the assumption was that either they you know couldn't and that, that othered them in some way or they were choosing not to and were therefore selfish in some way shape or form and nowadays of course you know, you, 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 women can have children and also be professional and, and do all of the things and push for these types of campaigns and also raise families. This is very much part of, you know, 
the way things have, have moved. And I think there's less of this attitude around, but it's still there. It's still very much, I can tell you, it's still very much there. And you don't have to have children to be a good person. No. And having children does not inherently make you a good person. It but, sure doesn't. But, um, but we, we just wanted to acknowledge this, you know, Anna is going, is going through some rough stuff, but she perseveres. May 1908, she creates the first official Mother's Day or her version of Mother's Day at a church in Grafton, West Virginia, and then at a department store in Philadelphia. Imagine how huge this is for the department store. If you think about it, they're the first people to get in on on the monetization of Mother's Day. Well, that might have been the beginning of the end as far as as the, you know, more altruistic version of Mother's Day was concerned. But, But it also makes sense, you know, department stores in those days were very much a rallying place, you know, for the community to kind of come together. You had your like soda fountains and all of that stuff. And, you know, it was really just kind of a place where you would go to be seen and to see other people in the community. So it certainly made sense, but it unfortunately kind of led to some negative uh, consequences. A hundred percent. Yeah. And her campaign is successful. Politicians and newspapers start picking it up. It's increasingly in the zeitgeist of America. It all leads to 1914 when President Woodrow Wilson calls Mother's Day a way to recognize that tender, gentle army, the mothers of America. And Also, screw you, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, also, Woodrow Wilson, not the best. Mm-hmm. Not the mm-hmm. best. Thank you. Max with the facts. No, let's put it in. Oh, it's, yeah. Now, Max, <laughs> Max with the eternal beef against Woodrow Wilson, who was sort of a human. And we already are starting to see kind of different philosophies on Mother's Day emerge. You know, what is what we, we, we know the original intent with Mother Jarvis was very quite literally to provide resources and support for mothers who were bearing the brunt of, you know, raising the family while men were away with very little help, with very little resources, often in dire poverty and uh, difficult situations involving, you know, infant mortality and lack of health care. So initially the whole idea was very much about uh, providing some of these things. It then kind of maybe became a little bit more about just sort of like a raising awareness for the amazing work that mothers do, the the gentle silent army of Woodrow Wilson's quote there, uh, or gen- tender gentle army rather. They're not silent necessarily. But then we start to see it kind of that co-opting that we're talking about, uh, really, you know, taking those philosophies and kind of, yeah, I don't know, grinding them into the dirt a little bit. Well, capitalizing on them, right? That's the worst part. It's, right. I guess yeah. I'm maybe being a little harsh, but sometimes when you do capitalize on things, you sort of suck the goodness right out. Right. Yeah. Because, and we'll get to some interesting facts and statistics here at the end, but yeah, yeah, it starts in a really good place. Uh, both Jarvis's and Julia uh, Howe are making they're doing tremendous big things. By 1912, a lot of other churches and towns and states are holding Mother's Day celebrations of their own. And Anna Jarvis has established the Mother's Day International Association. But almost immediately, she gets disillusioned 
because the holiday becomes all about swag. You buy printed cards for your mom. You buy flowers. Hey, mom, here's another gift. Here's some candy. Uh, it becomes an expectation. It becomes normalized that there must be these um, things bought and sold as part of this. And Jarvis feels like the holiday has gotten away from her. You know, she feels like the lady who created the original Monopoly game. She's like, yeah. why, why are these people taking my idea and, and soullessly making money off it? So she starts campaigning against Mother's Day profiteers. All the while, you know, candy makers, uh, florists, um, greeting card companies are looking and saying, what, who, us? We just want mothers to have nice things, you know, that you buy from us uh, exclusively. And for, she sued for profit. everybody. Yeah, she, she sued did. everybody. She called them charlatans, bandits, pirates, racketeers, kidnappers, and other termites that would undermine with their greed one of the finest, noblest, and truest movements and celebrations. She's still coming out of her own pocket for this, too. She's oh, like... Well, and to great detriment to her personal wealth, right? I mean, she she did, you know, she she did uh, have a uh, quite a significant inheritance, and uh, it dwindled significantly because she was paying all these legal fees. So it really does kind of show you how difficult it is to fight City Hall, you know, in these kinds of situations, because it's a free market economy, man. They're not doing anything wrong. You can't prove that they co-opted something exactly, can you? I mean, it must be difficult. You can't tell people, like, how do you tell people that they can't like their mom on a specific day? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how do you legislate against that? I mean, and I'm sure that's exactly literally. the argument that the lawyers, you know, for these companies were making. Like, like, is it wrong to <laughs> to give a, a, your sweet mother a box of sweeties, you know, and, and to chocolate confections? Is it wrong to want your mother to have a beautiful bouquet of flowers representing her vibrant spirits? You know, like I, mean, I could just picture ugh, the eye rolls, you know. I know. And and we want to shout out Sarah Pruitt over at history.com, why the founder of Mother's Day turned against it. Uh, look, Anna Jarvis went super hard in the paint on this stuff. Uh, she would crash conventions. In 1925, there was this organization called the American War Mothers, and they used Mother's Day as a, a fundraising opportunity. And they were selling carnations at the this convention Anna Jarvis doesn't just crash the co convention in Philly. She gets arrested for raising a ruckus, for disturbing the peace. She also uh, takes shots at First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt for using Mother's Day as a fundraising opportunity. She wants all the smoke, basically. So basically, that's the thing, though. You put out an idea like that into the world, it's going to happen. And right. um, short of... I don't know, um, arguing for some sort of copyright infringement, which you can't really do in this case because it's meant to be a, a recognized holiday for all. Um, so I don't really know what leg she had to stand on here in terms of her argument. It, it seems like at the end of the day, she was kind of just shouting into the abyss. Yeah, and she did have a copyright argument, right? That's what she took to court, but it's very easy to get around that stuff, you know? And so she's repeatedly incredibly frustrated with this. By the 1940s, she is 
more or less disowned the concept of the holiday altogether. She is lobbying the government to see it removed from the calendar, but no one's listening. Mother's Day is, it's a gold mine, man. And businesses begin to count on it in their balance sheets. So they're not going to let it go. Speaking of the copyright claim, didn't wasn't like the apostrophe moved around a little yes. bit in, in, in an effort to get around that? Yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she claimed copyright on the phrase second Sunday in May, Mother's Day, mother, M-O-T-H-E-R, apostrophe S. And she said, like I'm possessive, gonna, yeah, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. sue anybody who uses this without my permission. So yeah, like you said, people said, all right, that's fine. We'll use the plural possessive, which is just moving the apostrophe. Yeah. One it's character the d- over. day for all mothers, as opposed to singular, the day that belongs to mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trixie, Trixie stuff. But, but I mean, I don't love it, but it is, you can't own those words exactly. Right. Dungeons and Dragons would call it lawful evil. That's right. Because, I mean, her copyright existed on the phrase second Sunday in May, Mother's Day. It's, there's a rhyme there. Uh, she, she didn't necessarily hold the, the legal, you know, purse strings for the concept of a day for mothers. You can't really do that. That's like owning a baseball cap, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. You know, or like the fidget spinner, whatever. You right. Know? And, and this is not to say that Anna didn't try uh, you can find a Newsweek article from 1944 that claims she had 33 separate pending lawsuits that year. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. By this point in time, she has lived a long life. She is 80 years old. Uh, she's got a lot of health problems that come with old age. Uh, she's not doing well financially because she spent so much of her inheritance uh, on these battles. She is uh, in an assisted living space in a sanatorium in Philly. And there were, we found a lot of rumors, I guess you could call them, uh, or speculation that companies in the floral and card industries secretly paid to take care of her. But if you talk to historians like uh, Kathleen Antolini, then you see no, no historian has been able to verify this. People just kind of say, hey, it'd be nice if that were true. We, we don't have proof. It might just be a nice story. But we do know that even at the end of her life, she was still, she was still fighting Mother's Day. Like on a door to door basis, right? I hate that though, man. You know, I mean, it just because it, she did have such good intention. She was carrying on this legacy of, 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 you know, her mother's work before her and spent her whole life just, you know, the rest of her life, the, the, the part of her life that should have been her being taken care of, you know, when, when she spent all this time trying to take care of other mothers. Instead, she, she spent it under duress and feeling as though her legacy had been like Sully, this thing that she had worked so hard to, to create. Mm -hmm. And she passed away of heart failure in November of 1948. But Mother's Day continued. And Mother's Day is not the creation of any single individual, really. It's the creation of multiple women. And the modern Mother's Day is still, yes, is it, is it monetized? Is it commodified? Of course it is. But that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It doesn't mean that you have to participate financially. You know what I mean? There are, I'm sure, I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of moms listening right now who are thinking, I don't, I just want my kid to call me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Call your mom. Call your mom. Call your mom because uh, you just, you never know when, um, the last time you're going to be able to speak to her will be. Um, That's true. It's very true. Um, well, uh, today, you know, Mother's Day, it does exist. It is a calendar day. Which day is it? I know we missed it by, by a little bit here. It's sun Sunday, May 14th. And, it, and that's always the day that it is. It's not like the third Sunday of the month or something like that in in uh, in, in May. It's always the 13th. It's always the second Sunday. It is the second. Okay, so it's, it's one of those. the second Sunday. That's, that, that's why I'm always confused because it's like there's no hard date as associated with it. That's okay. always a weird one to me too. I agree. You know, what, what's another one? Thanksgiving? Yeah. I'm like, just, Thanksgiving? Like, Easter is the weirdest one. Easter's Easter the weirdest one. Easter can jump a whole month. Because calendars are a human invention. And they're therefore imperfect. But yes, uh, you can also find, hey, it's just not just the U.S. You can also find other observances of Mother's Day in places like Ethiopia. Uh, you can find it in Thailand, where Mother's Day is celebrated in August on the birthday of the queen, right? It's tied to the royal family. You can mm -hmm. find it 
all over the world because everybody can agree, despite all the differences that the human species has, we're all big fans of moms in general, our own mothers in particular. And uh, Noel, I found I've got some silly statistics with uh, with Mother's Day, at least in the United States. And sure. I, be I bet you've heard this one. This is probably it's probably my my favorite one. Forty percent of adults will take their mom out to a restaurant on Mother's Day, and for a long time, it was uh, for a long time it was considered the busiest day in the restaurant industry. Oh yeah, it's, it's a tough the, reservation to get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's the second busiest, actually. Only Valentine's Day is a bigger one. Yeah, and Valentine's Day is a whole story unto itself uh, in terms yeah. of the uh, the infiltration by greeting card companies and, you know, winemakers and what have you, you know, chocolatiers, all of that stuff. It's also often used as a uh, day for launching um, political causes associated with feminism. For example, in 1968, Coretta Scott King, of course, the wife of Martin Luther King Jr., um, hosted a march in support of underprivileged women and children on Mother's Day. Which I think, you know what, we cannot speak for, uh, cannot speak for Anna ourselves, but I like to think she would be okay with that kind with of- With that one. Yeah, yeah that sure. would be okay because they're not selling t-shirts or anything. We know that it's such a, it's such a big business. This statistic blew me away. In 2021, just that one year, American consumers spent an estimated $28.1 billion dollars on Mother's Day and Mother's Day stuff. Like what kind of what, what kind of flowers are they buying? Uh are they uh, buying people? Are they giving their moms orchids? Cars? Yeah. yeah. Un unclear. Unclear. You know what kind of flowers I've been buying lately, Ben? What's that? Lego flowers. Oh, the Lego orchid is awesome. Fantastic. We have like the succulents. We have like mm -hmm. some kind of spring bouquets. They never die. They'll never let you down. They'll never make you feel like a slacker for either overwatering or underwatering. I'm still kind of trying to get the hang of plants and keeping them alive. But, uh, you know, there's still time. Yeah, you know, I I have a bit of a green thumb. I have had the same, uh, <clears throat> they're called a money tree. I've had the same one since I was an intern at How Stuff Works. Nice. Uh, old Ben Ben is still kicking it. And I'm starting a green space at the rooftop of my new place. You guys are definitely invited. Oh, I can't wait to check it out. I'm really excited. I'm actually about to get some landscaping work done in my backyard with all native plants. I've been assured by the folks who helped me uh, design it that they that I won't have to do much to them because they're going to thrive already just like in, in this uh, environment. So really looking forward to that. And also, similarly, would love to have you all over for like a 4th of July barbecue situation. And I uh, didn't want to end on any kind of downer note, but I did just want to put out a, a just a you know word to say, I miss my mother. We lost my mother uh, a year ago, roughly to the day. And um, first Mother's Day uh, without uh, my mom, Sandra. So love you, Sandra, and miss you. And happy Mother's Day. I'd like to uh, say uh, just a few brief words to a lot of people. Mother's Day can be tough when your mom has passed on. You know, Mother's Day can be tough when you know, your, your family is maybe at odds. Maybe you don't speak to your kids. Maybe you and your mom butt heads um, before 
my mother passed away also quite recently. I was incredibly fortunate. And I like to think that I, I knew that. Um, my my mother was a very, very kind, beautiful woman. I don't think I ever really had a fight with her, which That's is awesome. nuts. She just, she would just tell me, uh, she well, she was a, a teacher for so many years, you know, like, and, and your mom was also teaching people, but she, she was, was, we fought all the time. So I'm jealous of your relationship <laughs> with your she, mom. She, no, she just, I, I think she had just like, because, even though I'm an only child, because I was essentially, if your mom's the teacher, you are one of 28 to 32 children. That's that she awesome, has every though. Year. Yeah, uh, but it's also yeah. like a beautiful thing. To, I mean, teaching, as we've talked about many times on this and oh, yeah, other yeah, shows, yeah. is such a gift, you know, to be able to take what you've learned and to pass that on to people who can then use it to literally change their lives or, or you know, guide the trajectory of their life. And uh, some of my mom's students, specifically singing, my mom was a singing teacher, have gone on to have great careers in, in great opera houses and stuff and uh, wasn't the path that I chose, but I'm just, I'm very proud of her and the way that she's changed these people people's lives and I'm sure that you see that with your mom's students and, uh, and and you feel the same way. And we guarantee you fellow ridiculous historians your mom is proud of you. Uh, thanks of course to our super producer Mr. Max Williams. Hey thanks to uh, Mrs. Williams good job on the kids uh, thanks, to, thanks to Alex Williams I mean thanks to everybody I think we're ending on a on a good note here. I think so too. Yeah, no, and, and thanks to you, Ben. My brother from another mother. No question about it. Call your mom. Uh, I am. Please do. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.